This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Emilio Donnell and two form legends. We have Rob Wilson and Tony Gale. In this episode, we're going to talk about Fulham season so far with our legends and Emilio as well. And later on, we're going to be getting some stories from our Fulham legends in the second half of the show. That should be fun. As always, please do subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. It does help other Fulham supporters find us. If you're watching live, feel free to Share a question for Rob or Tony or even Emilio. Feel free to. But let's get started. First, over to you, Emilio. Unfortunately, Gordon Mm. wasn't able to join us. He's not feeling well, so he couldn't join us. He has no voice. I want to know what you did to him. (laughs) Probably complain that we won 3-1, knowing how Gordon thinks I'm so negative about him. So, uh, yeah, sorry to hear Gordon's not so well. He messaged this morning saying he's a little bit poorly. So, Hope you'll be listening in and joining this good show tonight. I'm looking forward to doing the show as always with Rob and doing for the first time with Tony and talk all about Fulham. So, yeah, lots to cover off and hopefully we'll have some good entertainment. So, yeah, like you said, people who are watching us live, just drop questions into the chat and we'll endeavour to answer them during the course of the show tonight. Okay, well, we already got one saying that it's an all-star cast from our friend Black, White and Fred, and I agree with that. Rob, how are you doing? As always, I always enjoy... Doing mm-hmm. a show with you. How are you doing today? Looking forward to it? Yeah, very good. Yeah, good evening, Russ, uh, Emilio and, and, and Gailey. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's been a while since our last one. So, uh, unfortunately, Gordon's not here, but um, I'm sure we'll, you'll get enough out of uh, me, Tony and Emilio to uh, keep the punters happy. I'm sure I will, my friend. I'm sure I will. Tony, welcome back to the show. You and I actually did a show I don't know, about five or six weeks ago, and I want to thank you for coming on, and I look forward to having you right now joining us. But before we do, please uh, let everyone know about your book that came out recently, <laughs> and uh, I hope people are getting that book. That's entertainment. Let's talk a little bit about your book, and then we'll get into the show. Uh, 
well, I'm getting fed up of talking about a book. I've got to tell you, it came out on um, September the 1st. Um, but it's basically, it's the book about my life and it's called, it wasn't, in, the title didn't come from me actually, because I had all different things, you know, Gal Force or Gal Force 6, <laughs> my number. But uh, the book, uh, publication people reached, they, they suggested it because when we finished it, the author and I, there was so many good stories, we thought good and funny stories, they called it That's Entertainment. And it basically is the story of my life, which um, I don't think it's going to end just yet, hopefully, unless she comes back and mm-hmm. does me in in a minute when she's upstairs. I, I, I got my copy a few weeks ago, and when I went to uh, Spain last week, but I was there for eight days, I finished it in uh, I finished it in a day just while I was lying on the on the sunbed. But, uh, yeah, whatever, 200 <laughs> pages or whatever it was. 82,000 words. I can't believe you read that in a day. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I skipped, I skipped through to 10 years at West Ham. I only, looked, I only read the film. <laughs> you was just yeah. looking for the mentions on you, weren't you? That was yeah, it. yeah, there was quite a few, yeah. <laughs> okay. There you go. Okay, well, guys, let's get to it. Tony, I'm actually going to start with you. Before we talk about the season so far, I thought it would be interesting to actually talk about the last match because you were actually commentating on the last match. So let's actually talk about I would say a pivotal victory for Fulham. You and I were talking about this before we went live, how important it was. And and uh, I want to get your thoughts on the match. Then I'll go to uh, Rob and Emilio about that match against uh, Sheffield United. A huge three points. Yeah, huge. I thought it was a must-win three points. I said that before the game because I'd seen them the week previous uh, commentated on the game against West Ham. And West Ham after going two up, sort of one in a bit of a second gear against them. And, you know, Sheffield United didn't really have much of a threat. They'd lost the week previous, 8-0 to Newcastle. So everybody was expecting like cricket scores, the same as uh, when Fulham played them as well. But it's not that easy. The Premier League's not that easy to break teams down. And I've got every respect for the uh, manager, Paul Eckenbottom. He really does come out in the press afterwards, despite having a bad time, despite having no money in the transfer market. He faces up to things. I think there was quite a few things in the game. I mean, the horrific leg injury to Chris mm-hmm. Basham, first of all. I don't think I've commentated on a game when I've seen such an horrific injury. Wow. And I've seen the slow motion replays of it quite a few times. And honestly, you, you know, I don't want to even describe it to you, boys. It was that bad. But there mm-hmm. was a silence in the corner of the ground uh, mm-hmm. behind the goal and in the Johnny Ainge stand where he went over. And Tim Ream, who closed him down on the ball as well, realised straight away what he'd done. And fortunately, you know, they got him off the pitch. The ambulance came in on the corner there, got him away. And to his credit, he must have been in such pain, he gave the thumbs up to the Fulham crowd yeah. for the show of appreciation. I, I just thought it was a, a great moment in football. Everybody realised there was a hush around the ground. Mm. 13 minutes he was down before they got him off the pitch. Uh, but going back to the game, sorry, going yep. back to the game, I mean, Fulham went one up, went one all, and then Tom gets the luckiest goal he'll ever score in his life. <laughs> Chips it, so-called. He'll say he meant it. Well, it wasn't his goal, actually. It was an own goal, wasn't it? It mm. sort of left foot onto right foot. You know, Normally, when you slip like that, the ball goes nowhere, but it just added to a crazy loop on the ball, and that caused the goal. And then the third goal was Willian. I, th- I mean, I love Willian. I think he's different class, different here. 
And when Tom comes on, especially, he does link up well with Willian. They got that kind of tele- telepathy or rapport with each other that good players have, you know, in those tight situations. But they were good. Fulham were okay. Fulham played better against Sheffield United than West Ham did. That's how I compare it from the two weeks because sure. I'm doing the games all the time. Fulham looked like they would score more goals than West Ham did. But, you know, that they did get one more goal, but they still struggled, didn't they? They still struggled mm-hmm. because they didn't have that striker. But the decoy over Reed goal was, was oh, you know, great. top goal. Top goal. One of my, I love it when a passing move, you know, we played, Rob and I were lucky to play on a good passing team and we scored loads. Well, Rob did. I didn't score many, but we scored loads <laughs> of goals like that. But, you know, where it starts at the back, pop, 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 three passes into Vinicius. He did something right for a change. He held it up, turned it around the corner. Pereira, great ball. De Cordova Reed puts it home. That was a great goal. Great goal. So, Fulham, overall performance, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. I would go eight out of ten. Wow, eight out of ten. Rob, yeah. your thoughts on the game, and then I'll go to Emilio. Yeah, I was a, I was a bit worried at halftime. And obviously, we'd had, we had... William had the had the chance, which keep I think he should have scored. Uh, first mm. half, he, he kept it. He, he probably should have kept it a bit lower in the corner. And then just right on half time, Pereira had a good chance, sort of half, mm. half sort of stumbling and sort of blazed it over the bar. I was I, I, I was a bit concerned at half time. I thought, are they just going to just sit in? And we didn't look like breaking them down too regular. Um, and obviously, once it changes, when Tom comes on, we look a different side. I think his ball retention is fantastic, and he starts to probe a little bit more. Always, as Tony says, on the left hand side, he's because he plays left of probably of of that side of the midfield. He seems to link up well with it. And and yeah, I mean, fortunate. Uh, the first goal was fantastic, as as Tony alluded to. Um, you know, the their goal was again a bit of a fluke, and I thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, 76 minutes and we're gonna we're gonna turn it around in this last 14 and obviously then we went on to Tom getting the flute goal as it was and then Williams is just finishing it off with a with a nice sort of thunderous shot that the keeper probably couldn't hold on to so 3-1 probably flattered us I would have said 2-1 would probably be a fair result and again as Tony said I think after after the injury there seemed to be a lull in, in all, all mm-hmm. players I just thought I felt watching it. I, I felt sick. I was watching it on Fire Stick, and as I've only seen it once. As I, as I spoke to Tony the other day on it, I couldn't watch it again. I've seen, and I don't know why some Fulham fans put it on Twitter or Facebook a still photo of it. I just, I just can't watch it. Mm. I, it just, just doesn't sit right with me. Um, luckily, I've seen today, Chris. I've seen on Twitter, Chris has had mm. his second operation. Yeah, uh, he's, he's he's had it sort of. He's had the first bit done early on in the week, and then he's had it. He's, he's had it set now, so he's he's hoping to leave London in the next couple of days. I was talking to Tony. No, talking to Johnny Vaughan last night. Remember the goalkeeper? At, oh yeah, Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he he was. Um, I went to watch a non-league game last night, and he's he's academy goalkeeping coach at Sheffield United, and a young keeper were playing for <laughs> a team in near me, Peniston against Emily. And I was speaking to John last night, and. Um, he was saying that uh, yeah, all the lads were still a little bit down after the injury. You know, even coming back after this week, there it's still a bit of a you know, will he come back from it? You know, with his age, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they've had a tough couple of weeks with the young girl dying a couple of weeks ago. Who worked yeah. in the community, you know, Sheffield United. They had the eight nil, and then they had the death of the 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 ladies, uh, the ladies, ladies players. So 
Yeah, and and as Tony Tony spoke about there, Paul, he, you know, he's been around the block and he he voiced his opinion in the media the other week about some decisions. And you know, I just hope that the their their board and their owners stick with him because he is a, he is a fantastic mm. coach. Thank you for saying that, Rob. I was I don't hope hope you don't mind. I'm going to be cutting in because I don't want them to sack Paul Heckenbottom. I think he should be the manager the entire season, mm. especially if they're going to be going down. This is a quality manager. He's not been given really a, a full squad to compete in the Premier League. I don't think it's his fault. I hope they don't sack him, Rob. Yeah. Well, he signed a four-year deal probably last year when you know when they were mm. going for championship, which contracts don't mean anything in this day and age. No. The owners have been trying to sell the club for many, many years now. So mm. you just never know what's around the corner. But, um, yeah, hopefully he's, he, he's, he's purely is a good coach and... He's been there and done it with youngsters and academy and bringing kids through. And like you say, he's not had the tools to really no. justify having a go this season. And, and everyone will say them and Luton will probably struggle to get X amount of points between them. But um, you know, Luton probably probably more equipped than Sheffield United at the moment in terms sure. of grabbing points at home or away. So, um, but yeah, going back to Fulham, yeah, it was a much needed win going into the break. Hopefully our lads go off and have an international break and come back with no injuries, and then we get straight back into it. Uh, with, you know, with Brighton once once we once we're back in back in Premiership uh, fixtures. Okay, great. Thank you for that, Rob. Over to you, Emilio. Thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, Vaughan wasn't he? The, he was our keeper in that horrible Anfield Cup game, wasn't he, Robbo? I think he was. Wasn't he? Oh, sorry. Vaughan, wasn't he our goalkeeper in that horrific game at Anfield yeah. all those years ago? It wasn't, yeah. wasn't he? Goalkeeper? Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, I, I wasn't there then, but yeah. Uh, it was he was with me at uh, West Ham as well. Yeah. Was yeah. it West Ham as well? I don't remember it in West yeah. Ham, but yeah, that was, um, you know, anyway, let's talk to better things than that horrific defeat. Yeah, I, I was, the, the incident happened right in front of me, Tony. So I'm in the sort of block B of yeah. Johnny Haynes' stand. So right in that corner. You're right. It was dead silence. It was like, it was an innocuous challenge. Went for a corner, but we, Guys around me said, well, "What did we just hear there?" Just because it was a delayed reaction. One minute he was on the floor, a few seconds later, absolute agony, and it just looks excruciating. And fair play to Tim Ream to to immediately call the bench for some support. But but that game had a bit of everything. He had the, the horrific injury. Don't forget, Diop caught a caught a knock that game. Two own goals, a fluke goal, whatever you want to call it. Overall, we were full value for the victory. I thought we were technically a much better team than Sheffield United. I thought, you know, you said 3-1 flat. I actually think we deserved to win 3-1. If anything, like... Yeah, Tony's I agree. Yeah. We had a bit more composure in the box. I think the final ball is not good enough. That's what's been consistent all season. I know we blame Jimenez for not being with it or not being prolific. But in his defence, I don't think we're giving enough service. You know, the, you know our, our final ball in the box is not good enough at times. It's very... It's predictable. Doesn't always get the first man from corners and set people. We've got to improve on that. And... You know, last season we had Pereira and William both both firing on all cylinders. And if either if either of them or both of them are not on on their game, we're lacking quality, width, distribution. So I think Jimenez does get a bit of a harsh time from the fans. Yes, he's going to be measured on his goal scoring ratio, but if he's not getting any service, it's hard for him to see how he's going to score any goals. But aside from that, I thought we were good value. Sheffield were poor. We could have probably won by more if we had a little bit. There was some good. There were moments of good movement. There was a lot of positives to take from that. And we had to respond after that Chelsea game where I thought we were we were poor. That was probably our worst Premier League performance in a level level pegging with the Arsenal game at home last season. We created right. nothing. We didn't we gave them too much respect. And Chelsea, you know, were barely out of first gear second half. I know we played better second half, but Chelsea 
didn't have to break any sweat. So we put that game beside behind us and we needed to get those three points. And and what we've got, 11 points going into yeah. the international break. I think we would have all taken that before the start of the season. So not bad. We've got those must-win games against Luton and Sheffield in our, in our account, beating Everton away. So that's what's going to define our season, be, beating the teams around us. And if we can avoid defeat against those, I think we should be okay. I don't see why not, even though we haven't got a prolific striker at the moment. Okay, well, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But, Tony, can I'm going to go to you. Can I just say one thing, Russ? Absolutely, what Tony. What I have noticed from last season, it's not as quick. Fulham's play is not as quick mm. as last yeah. season. Yeah. And that was, I think Emilio said there, like that was evident in that Chelsea game. Never really got yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, they're a bunch of kids, Chelsea. Really, you needed to get amongst them, make a few tackles. You know, we had the team to do that. Make it yeah. fast, make it quick, put them under pressure. But no, it wasn't. And then the... So if I've got a criticism in the last two games, it's been a bit slow, the passing, mm. particularly between the centre-backs, Ream yeah. and Deal. They see in part, you know, being a centre-back myself, you can see a pass in there. If you see it, do it. Don't go, oh, no, I'm not quite sure. I'll go back to Leno. We'll go back out the other side, mm. Ream. We'll come across again. You know, and in the end, things close down. And I think that's where Jimenez is having a little bit of problems because they're not moving it as quickly as they was last season. No. Definitely for me. Yeah, and you're, I think right. you're right. It's a great point. It's a yeah, great point. I think point. you're right there, Tony. You look at the mistakes Reem and Diop have made from the back. You know, they try and see a pass. It's not on, or they think it's Jane. And they've been, I mean, look at the two goals Reem was involved in. But, and Diop, you know, he's got he's got one of them in his locker every game. That he, Every he's, game. Every he's game. He just seems to have a lax pass. He just his body language, the way yeah. he plays. And Reem's the same. Reem was at fault for the for both goals. And then he was gesticulating to someone about the pass. And, and then he ended up giving the second goal away, trying mm-hmm. to make up for his, for, his, for his... So, yeah, I think the pair of them have got that in their armour, you know, when they they look and they look and they keep passing. And, then, you know, I mean, the midfield players are probably making a move or the striker, Jimenez, is probably showing. But like you say, I don't... I think you're right in what you say, Tony. I think... It's nowhere near as quick as it was last season. And that's unusual for Marco's teams because he usually wants to be on the front foot from the first whistle. I think what's happened as well, uh, guys, just to say, like teams cotton on to you as well. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. So they cotton on to the way that you play. So they say, let the centre-backs have it. Let them have it. Mm-hmm. And you funnel them down one side as a if you're in the opposition, just as we did in our days. It's not rocket science. You let the lesser player have it. And you try and funnel funnel it down one side. We teams used to say block me off, didn't they? Let Roger have it, and he would pump it yeah. up in the stand, you know. But but what I'm saying, those two boys have done particularly well. I think I, I wouldn't criticise them too much, and don't be afraid to make a mistake. And I think Marco Silva's good at that because he doesn't mind his team and his players making mistakes because he wants them to play the way that he plays. And I love it. I'd love to have played in his teams. I think they're. Terrific. So we can't get on them too much. They will make mistakes, but I think if I was them or I was coaching them, I would say, do it quicker. And if you're going to give it away, give it away going forward, not sideways or backwards. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Don't turn back. Don't. I think yeah. I, I would be horrified if I thought the goalkeeper was a better passable, passer of the ball than me. I would never give it back to a goalkeeper nowadays. I, I'd want to play. But they, unless you're Alison or Man City, <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't give it to Leonard or Jerry Payton. I did, no, I wouldn't give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but also Leno, you're noticing Leno's distribution slower as well. Normally he was quick moving the ball out last season, but this time it's maybe there's a lack of confidence in the centre back, so he's trying to play, play a little bit more conservative. I'm not seeing him distributing the ball quickly out to play to his fullbacks. So again, that's what you're saying, Tony. Like what slow, they, what slow they're doing also, Emilio, because I've got a real good vantage point. I'm at the top of the um the uh, the river side stand, the okay. new stand. That's where I commentate from. So it's just to tell you, lads, it's it's a brilliant view. It's, there's there's no better view in the Premier League. You have got the whole of West London over the top of the Stevenage Road stand, and you've probably got the best view you've ever had because stands keep improving by the year. Spurs, mm. I thought, was a great new stand. West Ham's I uh, West Ham's too far away, but Fulham mm. is nice and steep, and you're mm. on the play. Great view for me, and you can see that they they're doing a press on us now. So they're yeah. pressing in, but then Leno's got to drop it in quicker to Jimenez. And Jimenez, of course, has got to hold it up. Like, I thought Mitrovic was slightly better than Jimenez at holding the ball up that was dropped into him from a goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. So they got to look to that ball. And then when that doesn't come off now and again, then teams drop off. But they can look into the striker a bit more yeah, for me. Point, and, you know, if he does win it, Rob says he's good in the air and he's won a few headers. You, you know, you'll get a few flick-ons now and again. There's no harm right. in do, scoring an horrible goal, is there, really? Yeah. No, that's True. very good information. Rob, before we move on from this, because I actually watched an interesting video from the Chelsea match with Robbie Musto and uh, Danny Higginbotham were looking at the matchup and they were talking about how Chelsea beat Fulham and they were focusing <laughs> on Paulinha and the man marking that Conor Gallagher, they gave Conor Gallagher the credit for controlling the game. They were showing the passing. What Tony was also saying, they were very slow, the passing to Paulinha, but also moving the ball around. What are your thoughts about Paulinha in that Chelsea match? I hate to go back to that, but when I saw the video, it was kind of glaring that he was being marked out of the match. Yeah, yeah. I, they played between the lines very quickly in that first 20, mm. 25 minutes. And, and like you say, Gallagher was key to instrument that middle of the park to sort of stifle Polinia because he knew what where he plays at the, at the tip of of where he did. Um, yeah, he just looked off off it. I, you know, I mean, I, mm. I don't think he had much help in and around him on the night because I just, as we said, we're, we were two down after 18 minutes. I think they sort of just stifled us and but they were just getting in between the lines and, you know, they just seem to be massive gaps, which there hasn't been too right. many times this season. Mm -hmm. in, in, in between our back four and and, 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 and the strikers, he just seemed to be isolated on his own a few times. I think Pereira and I can't think who else was playing mm -hmm. alongside him. Was it Harrison probably along? Mm -hmm. yeah. He just yeah. seemed to be overrunning there, but it was only three against three, but they looked like they had much more time on the ball and, and much right. more space when it was slid into them and, and I mean, I love Gallagher. I think he's an absolute, you know, you know, real good player. And I think I'm glad he's getting his running inside now. I, I really like him. He's, he's, he's no nonsense. He's, he's very methodical in what he does. He can get forward. He can put his foot in. He makes them play. And, you know, he, he just seemed to be the kingpin for them on the night, as well as all yeah. the other players in and around him that seemed to stifle us. But, yeah, it was unusual for Polini because he's, you know, he's usually our... Our, our sort of main captain without the armband, you know, in terms of trying to stop them attacks that are coming in between. But um, yeah, I think it, it's just a bad day at the office. I think for everyone on the night that night. Okay, if you look, if you look at that game again, Rob, I I go slightly the other way. You know, I know Conor Gallagher's. I say he's a, 
a good player, but the two boys in midfield, Fernandes and, and Saicedo, they cost mm-hmm. 200 million between them, 200 million. So you're going to have a problem in there, aren't you? Those two dictated the game for me. Gallagher was the runner. He was just running about and closing people down. But those two on the ball were different class. Half turn, popping it in, popping it into each other, turning it round the corners. Gallagher, for me, is the workhorse. That's what Connor does. He's a workhorse. Good player, very good player, but not in the kind of league that makes things like the other two. You know, that's where... They dictated because they were getting it out there back four mm. pretty right. quick, and they had the spare man. Mm. Carlinha, for me, he wasn't at it. I'd have kicked him up the yeah. arse at half time yeah. and said, "Look, I know your transfer ain't yeah. come off, but you've got to. If you're not making exactly. tackles, you're no good to us because he ain't totally great. Agree. He's not great, is he, Carlinha on the ball? He's he's a good player, but yeah, where steady. they want him, he's breaking things up. And he it wasn't to the second half. Someone must have had a go at him at half time." That he started making tackles for me. Sorry to interrupt there, Rob. No, 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 but that no. Was a, no, that was the thing then. That was my biggest observation of that game. Forget the fact that we gave Chelsea too much respect and they coasted the game, but not once. I, you know, people who know me well, I always focus on body language, you know, people's appearances on the pitch, the way, you know, I, I focus a lot on that. He didn't, no communications with his players in the whole 90 minutes. Normally you're 2 0 down, you get corners, he kisses a badge, rouses up the, cl- the crowd, you know, get a bit more. A bit more supportive. He did nothing. He felt like he came in, got paid to do a job, and went home. Just like you know, on a bad day. But normally, you show a bit more passion, a little bit more desire. Even last year, when the chips were down, he yeah. was still motivating the crowd and trying to draw the players and giving them a bit of motivation. He did nothing the whole game, and so something's not quite right there. I know he clearly wanted to move to to Bayern Munich. It didn't happen, but he's there's better signs against Sheffield United. I thought he was a little bit more, got more stuck in, showed yeah, more yeah. what he's capable of doing, but. He's a far. He's a shadow of his former self. From what we were used to last season to what he is now, he seems like a different player now. Like I said, if money's turning his head, fair enough. But that Chelsea game was very worrying because he just literally was. He wasn't at the races, and yep. he didn't want to be on that pitch. Very, very okay. clearly for those you know. And like I said, Tony, you're there yourself, Rob. You're there. It's something not quite right there. And you want to you want your players not to do a job and do it to their best ability rather than just, just taking a paycheck and going home, which is what it felt like he was doing in that whole game. And people also, you know, I'd say cotton on to you as well. That, you know, his first season, he was great, wasn't he? Palinha, mm. Pereira, terrific players. But they both are not on song at the moment, I no. would say. No. But teams make it difficult for you. I mean, if you go into a team meeting now, it's not all about uh, what we're going to do with the ball. It's how we're going to stop the opposition. So. Everything in football now, with all this, they're all up in the stands with me, all the boys on the pro zones and the tra- heat lamps and tracers. And God, it drove me mad. Paralysis by analysis, I would have called it. But what they know now is how how do you stop Fulham? Well, this is how you stop Fulham. Paulinho does this. Harrison Reed does right. that. Pereira does this. And it's got, they've got to find another way. Got Quite to find another time. way. And, uh, mm. I, you know, I trust Marco Silva. I think, I think he's a great coach. I'd love to have played for him. So, it's going to be interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent stuff. Great analysis of both the Chelsea match and the Sheffield United match. But, Tony, I'll go right back to you because, again, let's just talk briefly about the season so far for Fulham. As Emilio mentioned, I've mentioned, uh, where they are right now is not so terrible. But is this where you thought they would be at this point in the season? Well, I, th- I think the Mitro thing was a bit of a bombshell, wasn't it? And um, I think 
Marco Silva tried to disguise the fact that he must have been absolutely gutted that, you know, that in, they just got someone in the door right at the end and it was Jimenez and didn't get the time. Maybe they should have spent the time, you know, maybe studying and thinking that Mitro would go. But once that player decides he wants to go, I know he said he was down in tools and all that on tour and everything. But once he's, he was always going to go, it was always about Fulham getting the right amount of money for him. So that, that's cost them dearly. It really is difficult when you take, say, West Ham, take Antonio out the side. He's right. not the greatest centre forward, but that's all, he, that's all they've got. So that would be a big blow. You take any centre forward out of any team and it is a massive blow. And But this blow in particular, because of the way he is and the charismatic figure that he was and, you know, the leader that he was and, you know, like he's, I know he got sent off a couple of times and everything, but he was always up the front, wasn't he? He was always fighting. He was always involved. That They've missed that, you know. It might have been Mitro in that Chelsea game, for instance, who gave a centre half a dig. Then it's all a bit of a change, isn't it? Then everybody else reacts off of that. Yeah. Now, that's been the big key for me. But I think where they are at the moment, I think they've done well. They've done well. Two weeks now, settle down, have a look at things, start planning, getting a centre forward maybe in January, which is, isn't going to be easy because it's not the time to buy. And then go from there. But, you know, I don't see any problems in... And staying in the Premier League for I really don't. The teams I see regular that are Fulham and nowhere near going down. I, I, it's still a good side. Thank you for that, uh, Tony. And uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because you get to see all the sides. So you really get to see the Premier League clubs. Mm-hmm. You know where Fulham are at this point. Millie, mm-hmm. I'll go to you. Your your thoughts on the season so far, and then I'll go to Rob. Yeah, I think, you know, we'd, like I said before, we would have all taken mid-table before the, the international break. You know, the key thing, like I said earlier, it's winning those games around you. Not not the Chelsea's, not the Arsenal's. You know, the fact that we, we grind out a great result at Arsenal to get that point, put the Chelsea game behind it. We've won three, the three important games we won, you know. And, and to be honest, if we had a better strike, I think we would have beaten Palace away. We had enough chances to win that game. and that, So that was two points dropped. And then there's been a couple other games where I think maybe we could have got more out of it. The Brentford game, you know, was a, wasn't a fair reflection of the game. 1-0, we hit, then we hit the bar to go 1-1. Next minute, in, incident, sending off. And Brentford win, get the three goals to win. So that could have been a different story at the end of the day. So I think I'd have taken 11 points. I know we've got a difficult running coming up. We've got four tough games, but there's no reason why we can't go to Brighton. Brighton are not all that as well. I think Brighton getting getting a lot more credit than they deserve. They're conceding a hell of a lot of goals. And it's a shame that we haven't got a striker can capitalise on that. But I think there's, we can get something at Brighton. I, I don't, don't be surprised if we go there and turn them over again. And, you know, Man United won't fancy coming to the cottage. But again, it's just getting up for these games and, showing a little bit more passion, a little bit more energy. But I'm, I'm happy to take the 11 points. And you know, Burnley, to be honest, are getting a lot of press, but their, their performances are substandard. Sheffield United, yep. we've talked about. Luton, for their hard endeavour and fight, I don't think they're good enough to stay up. And you've got Bournemouth, you've got Wolves, you've got Everton. Even Palace are in the mix with us. So there's a lot, there's a lot <laughs> of similar things. But yeah. I think there's, there's definitely three worst teams, if not more. So oh. I think we should be OK, but it's... December's going to be tested. I looked the other day. There's eight games, eight league games in December, so it's that's going to be that's going to be tough. But there's enough games and enough points that we can grab and just push on. But eleven points is not a bad return, to be honest. I'm I'm very happy. Okay, how about you, Rob? Your thoughts on the season so far? Yeah, as the guys have alluded to, yeah, I think eleven points of where we're at, I'd probably what I would have expected. It was always going to be difficult to follow on mm. from last season, and and as we've talked about, many teams are not as good as they were last year. 
Emilio just mentioned Brighton. They're nowhere near as strong as they were. They've lost a few key players, as we have done. Um, so, yeah, it's 11 points in terms of we're sitting going into, and, and I'm like Emilio, I looked at the eight games in December, which, you know, you look at our squad, we haven't got a an in-depth squad. We've got, you know, we've got a few places where, yeah, we've got overrun with a few midfield players or whatever, but, you know, strike-wise going forward and defensively two centre-halves, if one of them get injured, you know, I mean, Bassi's, we paid, what, 20 million for him and he's, yeah. He's not got a look in yet. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure whether we've got, I still think we'll need to get two or three in January and, and the striker being one of them to put some kind of pressure on Jimenez if, if Vinicius or Munez, which I don't think either of them are good enough to be a, a stalwart number nine striker to play for Fulham. They're just, they're just not good enough. You know, they're, I think they're championship at best. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy that we've we've got 11 points. We need to beat the teams in and around us. I think it's going to be difficult to to, to reach the last year's sort of heights of where we finished and points right. total. Um, and and like Emilio said, I think there's there's at least four or five teams going to be worse off than us this season. But you know, it's we still need to put a run of points and wins and and and, and good performances together to get that confidence back to. To make sure that they make games in December where he will probably rotate the squad. Right. You know, if we're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Sunday, Monday, whatever, they're, they're all going to be needed. So hopefully we stay away from injuries and, you know, we can pick enough points out of them, sort of 24 points, to make sure that we go into January with with a healthy target. Okay. Play the same side, I would say. You know, like Roy Hodgson had their best ever season at Fulham. Hardly yeah. ever changed that team that season. Yeah. That hardly ever changed the team. And then you all, you know, when we played in decent sides, you could probably name the 11 and now and again, someone came in. But if you've got that same team and you're doing okay, then the results will come. Eight games in December, cough, piece of cake. You're having a laugh. Piece of cake. Oh. Yeah, just, just think of the appearance oh. money, Gailey. Just think of the yeah. appearance money. Yeah. All them win bonuses, eh, Emilio? Oh. <laughs> yeah. okay. Very good. Guys, real quick, wife, Rob, Rob, get the wife a new Gucci bag for Christmas, huh? <laughs> no, she don't have that. <laughs> Rob, here's a question from Black, White, and Fred. With Mitro still in the team, we would be top six. I don't think we'd be top six even with no. Mitro. No, no, because the players are. I know we're missing Mitro, and 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 the lots of the players are not in good form week in week out. Uh, but I think the division's a lot different this season. The Premiership yep. is a lot different than last year. You can see with even Man City dropping points already. Yeah. You know they've already dropped mm. points and they never would have dropped. And Brighton are not as strong as they would be. So you know, and look at Man United. You know, so Liverpool, they're all, they're all, they're all. You know, the, the 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 Premiership this year is a bit like the Championship may have been a few yeah. seasons ago, where everyone can beat everyone. You know, what I mean. Yeah. So don't surprise me if Luton end up getting a, a result against one of the top six at one point. Sheffield United will probably win the a few games and they yeah. might get the odd sneaky result against one of the big top six. It may be a fluke, but it's a different division this year than last year. So you can't sort of, even with the missing of individual players in each, in each, each and everyone's sides. I okay. think, I think at the bottom though, Rob, it, you're saying at the top, it's a uh, beating each other, but the bottom, you know, the, the promoted free sides, Bournemouth, Wolves, Everton, not good teams, not good teams. No. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's six teams that Fulham are better than at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crystal Palace—they got injuries. 
You know, all their strikers are out. Eze's out. Elise's out. No, no wide players at the moment. So Roy's trying trying to chisel out results. Everyone's going to have it. So I think you know you can't say you know uh, blame anything. If you've got injuries, you just got to get on with it. Right. Get on with it. Don't give players excuses. Get on with it. Fulham will be fine. Boys, I'm getting a getting the ump with you lot here. But Fulham are going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Tony, one I'm final topic. <laughs> one final topic about the season, and then we're going to get some uh, information from you guys. I want to want some stories. Before we do that, I want to go back to you, Tony. I want to talk about the summer transfer window. I've been kind of, let's just say, I, I don't want to sound like a downer, but I'm a very positive person. I was a little bit disappointed because I wanted them to find that striker to replace me, Joe. And I also wanted them to really kick on and really upgrade the club. I thought this was an opportunity this summer. Of course, you have the situation, Mitro. You have the situation with Paulina. Overall, what, what were your thoughts of Fulham's business in the summer transfer window? The transfer market is the most difficult place to be in at the moment. Um, you know, my other side, West Ham, for instance, yeah. you know, they, they've picked up three players right at the end, right at the end of the transfer. Alvarez, James Ward-Prowse, you know, and Kudos from Ajax. They picked them up at the end, but... Their own Alvarez is your Polina, for instance. They're, yep. they're a matchup. Kudas might be like Pereira. But it's so difficult to, to get players that you... Fulham have had a good season last season, but you guys wouldn't have been really happy unless you got, oh, OK, a centre-forward. Let's take that out of the equation. But it's difficult to better the players that they've got, I think, you know, unless you are spending really big money. Where I think they might have missed the trick who's gone for some young'uns, some like 10 mils, 15 mils, little punt in the transfer market, as if to say, we might bring this kid on. He might be a decent player. Do you know what I mean? Rather than going for a 50 million, a 60 million. Look how much Paulinho is worth now. Right, He's worth a fortune, isn't he? Mitrovic's worth a fortune. All the prices of the Fulham players have gone up since they've come up, so to speak. And it's difficult. It's a difficult place to do. They they had it off last season, Fulham, in the transfer market. And it was a tough act to follow that again. A real tough act. So, uh, it'd be interesting, though, January, because I think they'll go again, Fulham. I really do. You know, the owner puts his money where his mouth is, doesn't he? He puts the money in. And I think they'll go again with a one or two signings, at least. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Amelia. Your thoughts on the summer transfer window? Look again, I think what was, yeah, but put aside the Mitrovic and Palina situation, but it felt like we were, one minute we've been linked with so many players and going for a medical, then it was off, then another medical. Like Hudson Odoi, that went on for about three months, that discussion. Do we get him, do we not? I think that's Tony's point. He's still young for six to eight million quid. Is worth, probably worth a punt. He's a 22 year old lad, still got a lot, a lot of potential there. And Michael Silver would have been the best coach, but no, he decided to go Nottingham Forest. I'm no disrespect to them, but you know, he's gone from Chelsea to Forest. Why didn't he, why why wasn't Fulham an attractive proposition to him? So it's just there's a lot of speculation, but we did some decent business. I think Bassi is going to come good. I think yeah, I think he's, so. he's going to. So I'm looking. I want to see him get a run in the team. He's going to get that now with um with Diop's injury. So we'll probably see him back starting in a couple of weeks. Castagna's has started quite promisingly. I think I like the look all I get more safety first, a little bit more conservative than Tete. Slightly different play. I think Castagna's getting a lot of the ball against Chelsea second half. He had he's getting forward quite a lot, but that final ball in the box, just not good enough. It was just couldn't beat the first man. But he had a lot of possession, but 
he's a tidy player. And I think he's given us more depth and strength in that in that defence. So there's been some shrewd signings, but it's, you know we all expect more, don't we, Russ? I think like you've always yeah. said, you know, we could have pushed on. There was an opportunity, but there were players that like Ward Prowse. I would have liked to see Ward Prowse, West Ham. You know, thirty million. You know what you're going to get with him. You're going to get goals. You're going to get assists. He might be limited in his overall ability, but goals is going to get you points. Assists is going to get you a point. You've got a penalty taker there. Just we missed a trick there. He's a player. Look, he's done wonders so far. At West Ham. He's their it's best assists yeah. he got so far. So, yeah, could you have taken more gambles? But we, what we don't know is, is it Marco Silva not getting the players he wanted, or did or did um, Tony Khan and and the, and the board listen to to Marco Silva and all of these? We don't know. We'll never know that. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, maybe Marco Silva maybe had more influence in some of these decisions than we think. So I think let's not always blame the board for what we who we didn't buy and what we didn't do. But there have been some shrewd signings, but, you know, we still... I agree with Tony's point. The fact we've got a really ageing squad is a worry. So if it's yes. not investment this year, there needs to be there needs to be some investment next year for sure if we stay up. So, um, look, Absolutely we're going to stay up. And the owners have got to put money in their pocket and start rebuilding this team for the, for the next generation because we've got too many... Can't keep relying on these 30-plus-year-olds. We need to start bringing youth through. Totally agree. Over to you, Rob. Your thoughts on the summer transfer window? I, I think both Tony and uh, Emilio really, really gave some uh, good commentary on it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, typical Fulham. We we left everything to the last mm. minute. You know, <laughs> immaterial whether Mitro. We all knew Mitro when he boarded that plane or was pushed on it to go to America that he wouldn't be coming back. So you know, we had two weeks to look at that, and they must have had a a strategy of plan A, B and C who they might go after. So I think it was key not getting a, a, a you know, a, a number one striker. And I don't right. think Imanis was the, was the, was the marquee signing that I wanted to see coming into the club based on his, his previous history. Yes, he was a good player, but uh, we all saw him at the back end of his career at Wolves and, and wherever he went after that, that, you know, he wasn't the same player. So yeah, we was, we were over flush with, I'd have, I'd have liked to have seen a couple of more bodies come in. Um, definitely another centre half. I think you're right in what you're saying. Bassi's come in late, not really got a chance yet, but I think he should get it now. Um, I'd like to have seen another left back. I know Robinson's there for 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 long haul now. He signed a five year deal, but honestly, he couldn't cross the road. He's 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 doing things. He's he's crossing is is no better now than it was three years ago. And it I, frustrates the life out of me every time. Rob, I still don't understand that. How could you not approve that? That's well, I don't know what he does because I watch him in the warm-up do crossing exercises and he does exactly the same in a game what he does in the warm-up. So I honestly don't know what they do midweek okay. coaching him because he just makes the same mistakes every time he gets in the final third. And he gets in some unbelievable positions with his pace. I love him as a player and I think he's improved immensely over the last sort of 18 months defensively. But I'm sure we should fine-tune his, his final third deliveries or his passes, his body language sometimes. He, he just seems to get frustrated with himself. But, yeah, I mean, he's... He, and again, uh, uh, Emilio uh, touched on there. I think Castagna, he, he seems to be getting forward, as we say, against Chelsea yeah. and then Sheffield United. He, he's getting in there. I love Tete when he's playing. I, I think he's been a... He's been a godsend the last sort of 12, 18 months. And I think he was really, really settled his position there before he got injured. And, you know, this lad's come in and, and obviously can play right or left back. But, yeah, he's, he's been a worthwhile addition. But And again, I would like to have seen and possibly another centre-half because 
as I say, I don't think Ream could have had the same season as he would have had last season. And it's already proved that with a few mistakes he's made in game in, game out. And, you know, as much as we all probably thought he wouldn't be able to do it for another year, 35, 36, I think probably after Christmas, we'll probably see less of Tim Ream, I think. I think if Bassey gets in there and probably plays left side centre half, and if um, the up stays, you know, obviously comes back from his injury, I think them two could be the, the focal point for the second half of the season when we get into January. Okay. That's, that might be a small problem, actually, with the two centre-backs, Ream mm -hmm. and Bassey now. They're two left-footers. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't often get two left-footers as centre-backs and it kind of narrows your play down as well because the ball gets rolled out frequently by Leno, one side or the other. Someone's going to be on their wrong foot. So Harry Maguire slows play down immeasurably because he plays mm. on the plays on the left side of centre back, and he just goes one way. He can't mm -hmm. go the other way. You know, if I played there, I tended to play off the outside of my foot, which was, you know, just that was my left foot really, the outside of my right. But they don't really do that now. So the boys, the two left-sided central defenders, because they get so much ball, the central defenders, it's going to be interesting to see how they get it out the back because. Tim loves playing on the left. Bassey would like playing on the left as well, I think. Right. So you don't often get that. Uh, Rob, I, I can't remember two left-footed no. central defenders playing together for a... Uh, no, and I do loads of games. I can't remember two left-footed central defenders. Maybe, maybe Lockie and Lurch. Lock, well, Lurch weren't in the first team. <laughs> <laughs> he might be listening in. That's why I said it. <laughs> Okay, excellent stuff. Boy, this has been so much fun, Emilio. Now we're going to get to really have some more fun because now coming up next, we're going to get some stories from our fallen legends to end the show. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Okay, guys, let's get to it. Tony, thank you so much for joining us on this show. And I, I really appreciate you coming on earlier about a month ago, but I want to get your thoughts. You actually shared some wonderful stories. I want you to give get first crack at this. Give me a story about Robin Gordon. Oh, Robin Gordon. I've uh, got well, I can't repeat Rob's ones because he's my he was my room <laughs> partner, so I can't repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, Gold, Golden was, you know, his nickname was While You're There. Everybody knows, well, either, but While You're There, because he was always behind you at the bar and he'd always tap you on the back as you was getting a drink and he'd go, oh, While You're There, can you get us it? You know, so I nicknamed him While You're There. So uh, he, no, he's a great lad, Gordon. Really good, 
great striker. A good Gordon Davis story, which is a great one for Fulham fans. And okay. it's, it's a bizarre... I mean, first games of the season are normally a nightmare. We played one season. Our first game of the season was away at Birmingham City. Uh, Rob might not have played in that. It might be before you, Rob. Played at Birmingham City away, and we're losing 3-0 at half-time. 3-0. Baking hot day. They're a bully boy team. Mickey Arford, Mark Dennis, Noel Blake. Like, really mm. bully boy team. And they battered us. And three could have been six. Could have been six nil. Anyway, we get in at half-time. Bobby Campbell, who, who I loved because he, he gave me my big chance at Fulham. And I love him forever mm. for that. And the way he was with me. Came in. And as Robert tell you, he used to have these this temper fits. And he didn't know what to say. There was teacups flying, everybody ducking, you know, don't worry about David Beckham getting a boot off Fergie. These There was <laughs> kettles going in the room, everything. You lot are useless, I can't believe. You've let me down. We worked all pre-season. We've done this, we've done that. We've worked our pattern of play. You get out there, you show yourselves up. You're useless. What's happened? You're not only just showing yourselves up, you're showing me up, you're showing the families out here who come, and more importantly, the supporters. I don't know what to say. Just get out there and play second half. We won 4-3. We won 4-3. Wow. Gordon Davis got at trick. And to this day, that was the most bizarre. I don't think I've seen a, an opening game like it. And afterwards, oh, you were great, lads. Well done. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Well played, Gailey. Well played, Strongy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. that, was, that was mad. It went from the lowest point ever to the highest point ever. I don't know if you remember that, Milo. You might be I do remember that game. Yeah, I do remember it. Crazy, it's, uh, and then some of the some of the memories. I also remember it was the other way, was it? Barnes we were three up against Barnsley and lost four three in Oakwell. Mm. Was that the eighty that was eighty two eighty three, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I played was. in that Barnsley. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that was, that was first that was first away game, I think, or uh, in August. It definitely that was, was a right horrible night that wasn't it, as I can recall. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Did you go to that game then, Emilio? When we lost, uh, we won 4 3. Sorry, well, I mean, not the Birmingham. I went to the Oakwell game with the 4 3 oh. at Oakwell. All those so, you are ago. really negative. I knew that you're going to say that. You didn't go to the win, you went to the defeat. <laughs> I can't believe it. Okay. I remember Gordon's some of those right games. Gordon's right about you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, those 82 83s. I remember I was in those days, I was going one minute, I was going in the Putney end, I was going in the uh, enclosure. So I get rotating, and because I was so short, I said, I'm a short little gits. You know, I was in the in, behind the hammy, and I was just sit on the on the white bars, you know, the metal yeah, bars. Yeah. And every time I'm trying to work, I was just trying to struggle to see it behind the goal. But yeah, though, in those days, you could just wander in, you know, turn up at 259s, walk in the hammy end or Putney end, yeah, wherever yeah. it was, enclosure a few times. So, uh, but that season, those, like, that season was fantastic. You know, the fact that you know we're that bloody close to getting promotion. What what went wrong? What went wrong? That you know, uh, what... it was Robert's fault. He dried up with all the goals. <laughs> yeah. Gailey's bum got in the way against Leicester when Ian Wilson hit it. Ah, <laughs> uh, I remember that. Oh, I don't think I got it all in the way though, did I? I should have got it all in the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a it was a great season. I, in, in all honesty, Emilio, I think when you look back at it now, probably. The pitches slowed us up at the end because mm. when you get, you had like kind of three seasons in one when you played in football in mm. those days. You had the furry pitches at the start of the season, mm. then you had the shitty pitches with the wet and the mud, and yeah. then at the end of the season was the worst time because there wasn't watering systems 
to dampen pitches, they went bone hard and bobbly. And that's when it was bobbly. I think we had the rugby plan at that time, Rob, didn't we, as well? Yeah, we did, yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. didn't help the uh, the way that we played. We played really good, fluent football. So mm. our best matches would have been like somewhere like Newcastle, where the pit when that, that oh, season when, we were, yeah. when the pitch was fizzing, we could pass the ball about. But the pitches kind of slowed us down in the end. When when I think back to it, but it was it wasn't my fault. It's just the other ten. <laughs> <laughs> Rob. Over to you. Thoughts on? Give us a story. You've you have already no, given I'm, me I'm a story. A I'm not a comedian like him, but um, okay. Uh, Ross, have you seen the latest YouTube video that Malcolm McDonald did recently? No, no. no. It? Watch it. It's uh, the uh, Chris Chris. Uh, what's he called? Christy uh, Flintoff. Something Flintoff. I, I arranged it with a few of the lads the other week. Tony oh, yes, yeah, so I've seen that. I haven't gone into it. I've seen you post it. Yeah, or you, you yeah. yeah. That, that's that's good. That's on that's on for an hour and a half with Malcolm McDonald. Oh, okay. There's me. There's Ray Alton. And we talk about the, that season in depth, okay. you know, about how the season went and the Andy Thomas and the Ernie Clay. And Malcolm mm. Malcolm was quite damning about Ernie Clay and, and why, what went wrong with that season. And he wasn't allowed... To buy buy who he wanted, and he was nearly forced upon getting Andy Thomas, and he didn't really want him, and sort of stuff like that. Goes on to talk about the Derby game and the Newcastle mm. game. It's very very well worth a watch. I think I don't think mean, Tony's seen it, but a few of the lads were on it. There were a couple of couple of. I began watching it. Well, I watched it for ten minutes and fell asleep. Rob Malcolm uh, yeah, just, just slowly, didn't it? Just because you weren't on it, that's probably why. Yeah, uh, no, it was all right. It was good. Yeah, definitely, it. Emilio. If you're if you're proper Fulham fans, watch it. It's, it's okay, definitely okay, worth. I'll it. watch but it. Okay. Malcolm was very um, very good in, in in terms of his analysis, and as Gailey knows, he's a little bit of a stutterer and probably still is to this day. And um, yeah, there was there was quite a few tales and stories in there, as as Gailey's book will allude to many a time about some tricks that him and Strong used to get up to with Malcolm and. <laughs> the tactics board and uh, you know many a story. We used because uh, Rob's because Rob's very unfunny and very serious. So I'll give you a funny another funny story. Yeah, so please do, please do. Yeah, I always had to be funny with him because he's pretty boring, <laughs> Rob. So um, <laughs> since he's moved up north, he's lost his sense of humour. So um, <laughs> so we had a coach driver called Alan Hooker who. Malcolm Ball uh, from Arsenal, who just used to drive around the coaches for Arsenal, but he worked for a big firm. But he decided to go on his own, Alan Hooker, and Malcolm gave him a chance. Mm. And Alan Hooker invested the money in a coach, and he drove us around everywhere. Well, what could go wrong with Alan Hooker always went wrong. Uh. Run out of petrol, wrong ways up the motorway, like mm. this, that and the other. But he had such a great character. Rob and I used to just sit up the front joking with him as he was driving along, and then he'd miss a turning on the junction, wouldn't he, Rob? And we go, weren't you supposed to turn off there? He'd go, oh, yeah, well, we go up and we go back round, you know. He's one of them. Anyway, he had this habit of turning up for team meetings and uh, he used to pipe up as well. And Malcolm said, look, Alan, I want you to stay out of team meeting. You keep coming in and you just go, he go, oh, well. and he used to talk like Norman Wisdom, Rob, didn't he? Oh, well, 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 I just want to tell you, you know, I think Robert's a little bit deep at the moment. It's just uh, nothing to do with you, Al. Piss off, get out the team meeting. Out you go, out you go. Anyway, he drove Malcolm mad. And in the end, we had to lock him out of team meetings. But me and Strongy came up with this idea. We had the curtains at uh, where we were in the hotel, 
we had a team meeting, I can't remember who it was, away from home. And we put we said to Alan, give us your shoes. And we put his shoes, you know, under the, under the curtain. So made out Alan was there, right, you know. Anyway, <laughs> um, Malcolm said, oh, all right, today's team. Oh, and it good, you know, no no Alan who interrupts us today. Mm. And me and Strongy kept nodding our heads towards the window where the curtains <laughs> were drawn. Like, so it was sort of saying he's over there. And Malcolm's walking towards the curtains going, yes, and if I did catch him in here, obviously he'd be in very big trouble today, wouldn't you? Open the curtains, and all there was was a pair of shoes. Like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, love it. That yeah. is too much. Anyway, we lost that game for them. <laughs> yeah. And Alan we got us back. We did it. We did it. So. Oh, my. That is he was, too we funny. We had so though. many characters. We had two kit men, didn't we, Rob? Uh, Fred mm. and Jerry. Fred and Jerry Curtains, yeah. Well, we, we called them Tom and Jerry. Like, they never could pump the balls up properly. They're, oh, then we bought them a, a, a thing, a valve that gave them the right uh, pressure of the pressure. earth. And then, yeah. then we would nick the pressure of the ball off of them. Like, you know, and just as we're going out to kick off, we used to hide the match ball from them. And they'd go, where's the match ball? There's a, oh, who's mucking about? Who's mucking about? You know, it's so funny. So funny. <sighs> and Jerry, I'd just like to say, Jerry Curtin passed away recently. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, his yeah, soul, I think yeah. he was in his 90s. That was Fulham personified. He was a Fulham man through and through. He had a season ticket with his wife and his daughter just where yeah. we ran out, and they was in that, uh, the Stephen and Joe stand there, yeah. weren't they? And lovely family went everywhere, home, away. He was the kit man. He used to do it for shirt buttons, mm. but personified what a great football club that was or still is still is actually because yeah. you mm. have you have people like that around people make the football clubs yeah and then you still get you know you still get and and both the guys will know i mean you still get people like sandra coles and yeah you know i mean mm. secretaries are watching us you know home and away yeah. i see him at games you know still once you're a Fulham fan you're a Fulham fan yeah. for life whether you're Fulham a, forever a job. yeah you missed it Fulham forever see yeah have you got yours yet? Uh, yeah, I was uh, lucky. I was. I got it against it West Ham a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that was a great story as well. Do you want to hear that story? Yes, as well, boy? yes, yes. Yeah, go on. So I, we get uh, Rob's got one. If I don't know, if he paid over a couple of hundred games or whatever. Yeah. He got a Fulham Forever Award. I saw Clive Walker was on the pitch last week. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone said he got booed last week. Did I didn't hear any booze. I didn't hear any yeah, booze. Right? You saw some comments on Twitter yeah, saying I about that. I, no, I didn't hear any. I didn't. I didn't hear that. I, I thought no. the crowd were pretty good to him. Uh, but you get these awards. So Les Les Strong was one of the first recipients because, and then Golden because they do the ambassadorial roles. Yeah, yeah. So they're in, and then Dave Daly, the director, asked me. He said, Tony. You're coming to the West Ham that game to commentate. Um, would you take uh, be the next recipient? I'd, I'd love to. What a, you know, what an honor. Thank you very much, David. Went down on the pitch. West Ham fans were singing, that was good. Fulham fans were singing, both ends done an interview, got me a award. And uh, I went up to the stand, but I said to David on the pitch, I said, Can you keep this trophy for me because I've got to get back up to the gantry? And when you come into the uh, lounge. Uh, Leslie's Lounge afterwards, come up to me with a trophy and give me an envelope padded out. 
like making out. I was making out it was money, like you know, making out it was money <laughs> and give it to me. So uh, anyway, uh, David walked in the lounge. I was talking with Les. He went, Tony, Tony, you forgot your award, like you know. And um, mm. he come over and he gave me the award and he said, the chairman would like to give you this as well. I went, oh, thank you very much, David. Of course, I knew nothing was in it, but I was right. winding Les up, wasn't I? And he's. We're not allowed to swear here, are we? Sorry, oh, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so, Les, I've took the award away and I've gone over to a couple of my pals and I went, oh, this is fucking lovely. Look, he's only given me all this money. I can't believe it. Have a look at this. Like, And Strongy's trying to look over my shoulder, see if there's money in there. <laughs> and I've got it out and it was all padded newspapers and all that. And he, <laughs> oh, he thought he'd missed out. He thought I got money, but I didn't, by the way. <laughs> Oh my! Oh, it's okay. good that Clive Dillon is for them forever as well. You know, like I said, Clive Walker. I didn't hear any booing last week. I don't know. Again, that, no, that those were some of the darker days of the club. But he was so entertaining. I loved him. The amount of goals yeah. he scored, the pace he brought to the team, it was so entertaining through those darker times at the club. So I don't understand why any fans would have booed him. But and he had a um, he had a haircut like you, Emilio, as well, didn't he? <laughs> 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 I got a few pictures on my phone of him last weekend, but. Uh, and who was He's the other a good one? Lad all, Clive. Nice lad, Clive. Is he? I've never met him. Yeah, I've never met him. No, yeah, it's just seen. Just, just great to re- recap. You know, they, you know, Daly's on the pitch all the time with all these old legends. It was it Gary Elkins came on last season. Thinking Gary Elkins worked. You know, as much yeah. as he was yeah, through some dark. I mean, yeah, I we're, we're all we're all on a WhatsApp group. There's about twenty five of us. Um, oh, we're right, keeping, okay. We keep in yeah. daily contacts with uh, you know birthdays and banter and all that so yeah it's still good Fantastic. i'm not i'm Fantastic. not so sure the current team will probably have a 25 uh man <laughs> group in the, when they finish their careers yeah god blimey it's um, a lot different now isn't it you know compared to in those days like you have all that camaraderie you know you had your you had your moments i'm sure off the, off the pitch as well i'm sure you know there's obviously in the dressing room but it's it's just just different different type of game now isn't it it's different different money's at stake it's 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 sort of difficult. In, what, what would you prefer, guys? Would you prefer to play in this era of football, or did you enjoy the era back in the eighties and nineties? What would if you had a choice? I, I prefer it touch. when we played. I prefer. Obviously, I'd have loved the money, but I preferred it when you know when we played. It was better. But I'd love to have seen uh, the pitches today. That Fulham side that I played in was a mm. lovely passing side, like very fluent. <laughs> Apart from when Brownie got the ball and he kind of booted it somewhere, but apart from Brownie, we were pretty fluent. But Roger was brilliant anyway, and his other stuff that he did wasn't he? He was our sort of talisman as well. But we played some really good football out mm. the back of that team. We had good passes of the ball, good midfield players, good strikers. If they was playing on those pitches today, oh, it would be incredible, absolutely incredible. I think we'd have loved it, you know. Yeah, just those, you know, yeah. just those moments. You know, we excelled, especially that first half of the season. Newcastle away, absolutely battered them at St James's Park. Then, you know, didn't we that you know, that season? You know, we had so many great memories. Just, just unfortunate how things deteriorated very quickly. But the other question I was going to ask you guys is, which obviously subsequent to your career at Fulham, who, which manager would you think you'd have thrived under? I think Tony, you've mentioned loving to play under Marcus. If you had a choice, who would you prefer to have played under? Or the subsequent manager, Roy Hodgson, Silver? Probably because of the way I played. Uh, Tigana and Silver. Roy, oh, Roy was Roy's a great manager, and uh, you know I know Roy really well as a friend. But um, if I was talking about the way the style of the teams 
mm. played. I'd love to have played under Roy, but Tigana was a lovely, mm. fluent way of playing. Um, and Marco Silva played some lovely football as well. Yeah. yeah. They've had some ropey managers since I've left and all. Some I, I wouldn't have liked to have played under. But they've had some good ones, haven't they? Roy, Roy Tigana. Yeah, and uh, Marco Silva. Kevin Keegan was good Kevin in his Keegan, own right yeah. as well, wasn't he? Yeah, Keegan, I, I was going to say Keegan's era was quite, uh, yeah, quite influential to sort of players. Had some, and had some good managers there, haven't we? But the teams that play, Robert was a, a footballer, what I would class as a footballer as well. So he'd have probably thrived in a footballing team that a manager, you know, wanted to play that style of play. So. I don't, I don't want to answer the question for you there, Rob. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, and like you say, I, I would I, I would have mentioned Keegan. Tigana's team I watched when they got promoted in 2000, 2001, was a nice footballing team. Um, uh, and like you say, even under Jukanovic, I, I like the way he played, you know what I mean? I, he was very much a sort of silverish, wanting to play out from the back and... Um, it was quite quite early for him in terms of the change of, of of team. So, but yeah, I mean, hey, listen, I mean, in our day, Malcolm, the best coach I ever worked under, and I was fortunate to work under him a couple of times, was Ray Arford. He was ahead of himself mm. in terms of the diamond formation. He was the instigator in the coaching manual of of implementing that in the Fulham team in making sort of me just behind Gordon and Dixie, Ray Lou. I and, and Sean and, and and Ray on the on the right and the left and Peter O'Sullivan before him, but so yeah, he was Ray went on to obviously and, and Tony worked with him at, at Blackburn, you know, to coach at the highest mm. level and win the Premiership with Kenny Dalglish. So yeah, I think Ray was the best coach and manager that I ever worked with. What was the most entertaining team that you watched, Emilio? Um, uh, manager, manager. Sorry, the manager. manager. Um, I think Tigana, that 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 season yeah. we got promoted was breathtaking. You know, we yeah, thought we were having, that was yeah. that was an outstanding season. You know, I loved that. You know, even Marco Silva, this you know, a couple of seasons ago, but I prefer the Tigana promotion side to the Tigana um, to the Silver promotion side from a couple of years ago. You know, yeah. it'd be like chalk and cheese to me. That Tigana team was breathtaking. We had plenty of goals in there: Boa Morte, Barry Hale. So just a breathtaking team to watch. Yeah, even even Kevin, Malcolm McDonald, the team that you guys were involved in, even that. Come on, I think just you know QPR, you know, you know, at the top of the table, they they were they were the the best team in that division. They won that division comfortably. But you know that was a great season for us, and we defied a lot of critics. The season we got promoted the year before that could have had back to back promotions. There's a lot of great moments, and you know we've had some dark moments, like you said, Tony as well with some of those managers of the nineties, is Alan Dix. Oh, Brandfoot. Was it Brandfoot? Even Paul Bracewell was dying. I remember how many nil-nils did yeah. he get in, in November, December? So so boring. But, you know, the, for me, it's a Tigana, that promotion season, I think. And that was probably my favourite. And, and the still striker at Saha was brilliant, wasn't he? Oh, amazing. Amazing. Right. And, you know, but Roy Hodgson, again, looking at it from the other side of the fence, you know, the fact all those great moments he took us to a European final. European yeah. Tigana. Yeah. You know, can't, we can't forget that. The best moments we ever had. And and those players that we had, I suppose, again, they weren't world-class players, but he got them to play to their strengths, play yeah. the certain system. We didn't rotate much, like you said, Tony. And, you yeah. know, they just we'll never it's forget that. Yeah, he had a methodical it's, way of how he played. Oh, and they 4-4-2. Yeah, exactly. It was very Lovely. rigid. 
Yeah. You know, it's, um, he's doing the same with Crystal Palace. They, they haven't got great plays, but he's getting them to play to their strengths, and yeah. they're a difficult team to beat. They don't win many games. They're not losing many games either. And he's, look, it's uh, what, he's nearly 80 years old. Fair play to him. He's a great man, Roy Hodgson. He's a great Love man, him. you know. Love very, him. very, very humble and uh, yeah. nice man to speak to. And it, like he'll talk football all night, all day, all night long mm. with you. He's, he's a lovely man. Um, but you mustn't forget our. The ex-teammate Ray Lou's been a big part of him yes. uh, yeah, true, true. in his later years in management. Okay, yeah, absolutely. We, we shouldn't forget that as well. We can, even Martin Yoli had his critics, but that season we finished yeah, what, seventh, seventh or eighth. You know, that, that wasn't a bad team we had there. You know, he pushed on. He, there were yeah. moments we he played some entertaining football. Mark Hughes, loving I was about to mention Mark Hughes. You know, I hate to say it. Mark yeah. Hughes. Good football. You know, the second yeah. half of that season. We were, I think we were top four in terms of points scored from January to the end of the season. So if we had a better start of the season. That was a very good see, season. You know, as much as we hate the guy, I mean, none of us, I don't personally like him. And But the second half of the season, we were playing yeah. very exciting brand of football under him. Totally agree. Talking, talking to Mark Hughes, I know he's got the sack, but nice to see Kevin Kevin McDonald's getting yeah. his, probably his first managerial role there. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Good. Is that permanent or an interim role? Is it permanent role? Yeah, well, he's caretaker at the moment, but okay. word from inside that he looks like he's going to get it. You know, Rob, I'm glad that you mentioned Kevin McDonald because I don't think he gets mentioned enough. I think he is pivotal oh. to Fulham's position where they are today. They don't get here without Kevin yeah. McDonald I mean, that, playing to Slavisa. That season with your, your Hansen and Tom, them three were oh. the best oh. three midfield players. Unbelievable. In that by, by a country mile. Mm. I miss Johansson. I, I do. I just love his. I just, I, I was, he was my favorite player in that team. And just, 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 yeah. Where is he? Still at QPR now, but he was, he was, he was a Fulham legend as far as I'm concerned. Limited yeah. in his ability, the top flight, but the job he did for us, Jesus Christ. So, you know, I love the player. Loved him. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You're not a Fulham legend unless you've come up through the youth team, Emilio. You've got to come through the youth team I'm to be one of them. Okay. Well, guys, listen. Thank you so much for doing this. We've gone a little bit long. I just want to thank everyone for joining. Tony, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Russ. Emilio, nice to hear from nice you. Nice to meet you, Tony. We'll see you again very soon. We'll meet you at the cottage one of these days. We'll keep saying, Rob, don't we? keep saying it, but we never, never yeah, need to yeah. make it happen at one point. Definitely, well, I yeah. definitely, I think I'd definitely be commentating on the West Ham game, but hopefully well, get go. one before that because my okay. schedules are not quite out yet, but... Always love going down there. And I've got the best seat, by the way, uh, the best seat in the ground over that other, other side there. What a view. I know it's expensive, but if you can afford it, buy one. Oh, what a view. I've been that part of the side of the fence. Steve, Steve Reynolds went to the Norwich game, didn't he, Russ? I think yep. he, yeah, he, he did. He did. He game. sat there. He did. He did. Very uh, good. Yeah, I need, to, I need to go there. But yeah, the, we haven't talked about the ticketing prices, but yeah, a bit ridiculous. The Man United Another game. That's another show, another show Emilio. I, <laughs> I was hoping that we'd talk about it, hoping we would talk about mm. several things. But we again, we had a lot to talk about. And, and Rob, mm. as always, thank you so much for uh, doing the pleasure, show. Guys. I always pleasure. love when you can do the show. Yeah, it's a pleasure. No, thank you. Hopefully, Gordon will be fit enough. He'll pass mm. a fitness test for the next, uh, yeah. the next one and when he's available. He might well, be listening in. Well, it's funny. We I feel like we are missing him because I love the banter between him and Emilio. It it, it makes my day. 
The love ain't relationship. <laughs> negativity and positivity. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, we do have to wrap up this show. And I, I just want to thank Rob and Tony for joining Emilio and myself. But let's wrap this up. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk, part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.